You're listening to The Conversations in Speech Pathology Podcast. I am your host, Jeff. Step in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Conversations in Speech Pathology podcast. I'm your host. If you couldn't understand the synthesized speech in the beginning, I'm your host, Jeff Steppen, and welcome to a special edition. Well, they're all special editions. What can I say? A special edition of the Conversations in Speech Pathology podcast. Today, I'm welcoming Lois Brady, one of the chief architects of the app Inner Voice. Now, that was the synthesized speech you heard in the beginning, in the intro here. Inner voice, what can I say about inner voice? Well, let me start with how I first came to hear about inner voice. This was what I would say four years ago. And I remember I remember my AT person in my district showing me this novel little app. And what you were able to do was to upload someone's picture, a student's picture, into this app. And what you would have is, it would have that, what you would do is you would align their lips and their eyes and then you would either type something in uh, just using the QWERTY or use the uh, populated language board, vocabulary board that was already built into the app. And of course, you can still customize it. You'd be set to go. And the main feature, of course, of this app was that you'd be able to watch the user's mouth and their eyes kind of flutter and blink. And the user would see themselves as being a communicator. Now, the thing is that when I first saw this app, I was impressed more from a novelty factor than anything else. And I have to admit that I didn't take it seriously as an AAC app up until recently. It was just never really a consideration. Um, so yeah, I used it with students on a very limited basis. And again, this is probably around 2012, maybe 13, something like that. So last year, a gentleman by the name of Scooter Oyama approached me online about doing an episode on Inner Voice. And at first, I really wasn't enthused about the project, but... But when I took another look at Inner Voice, and I thought there might be something there, so something that I didn't see maybe the first time. And I'm glad that, in fact, we pursued this, and that I got to know Lois Brady, who's a speech pathologist with over 25 years of experience. Lois lives and works in the Bay Area, Northern California. She's an author and has published a couple of books on apps for autism, one in 2011 and a follow-up in uh, 2015, an updated version. And of course, she's the chief creator, author, if you will, of Inner Voice. And most importantly, she is a practicing speech pathologist. And I was excited in talking to Lois above and beyond her creation of the Inner Voice app because of our interests, our mutual interests in children and adults who have, who exhibit what you would, might call um, minimally or nonverbal. I'll put that in quotations. And we both have kind of an interest and obsession in trying to figure out these kids, who these kids are and what they're capable of and looking to models within the greater community as exemplars of what might be. So without further ado, here's Lois Brady. I've been a speech pathologist for a good 25 to 30 years and um, you know, I think I've pretty much seen and done it all. It's great. Um, I was never, and I mean, never interested in AAC. Um, it just didn't seem to work. Things, kids didn't like it. They didn't use it. Everything was abandoned. Everything that I made got either um, chewed up or thrown away <laughs> um, until the iPad came out. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the iPad. The iPad. Yeah, it's everything turned around. All of a sudden, AAC was powerful. Kids yeah. were coming to me. Kids were sitting down. Kids were paying attention. And then when I found, like, oh, my God, I can get any app to do anything. You know, I can, if my kids really love dinosaurs, I can bring dinosaurs and they can play with them and we can have whole conversations. Yeah. Um, and that's when I thought, oh, my gosh. This is when it very first came out. This was on an iPad 1. I was, I was thinking, does the rest of the world know about this? I've got to tell them. So that's when I wrote the book, Apps for Autism. Mm -hmm. um, and since then, I've revised it once. Um, you know, a lot of the apps have come and gone, but the information in there on how to use them and all the different 
aspects of speech, um, you know, from receptive, expressive, social. Um, there's even speech therapy toolbox, teacher toolbox, parent toolbox. And every aspect you can think of is covered. It was kind of a surprise to me when I started looking into it. So I just, I thought it would, and, and more than likely, it's a surprise to anyone else that there's just that plethora of apps out there. So yeah. Now, um, now when did you uh, when did you publish your your book and your first edition? I was right after the iPad came out um, mm -hmm. with Future Horizons. Um, they were I, I put it into oh my gosh I put my proposal into like maybe fifty publishers and they all kind of laughed and turned it down and said oh my god this is before the iPad even came out because Steve Jobs had just announced it. And it got me thinking, and the publishers were like, oh, this isn't going to be anything. We already have books on assistive technology. We don't need another book on assistive technology. Yeah. Um, but Future Horizons picked it up, and um, they well, said, well, yeah, let's give it a try. So um, I was lucky enough to get it published then with them. Uh -huh. And uh, that was in 2011, 2012. 20, oh my gosh, okay. time goes by fast, doesn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. So the, the iPad came out in 2010. And, uh, you know, the, I always say the amazing thing about the iPad was I, I, I just, I was always Im I was really impressed with how quickly so many apps came out. I mean, it was like the floodgates yes. opened. Um, yes, they did. Yeah, no, so I remember, uh, now the AAC apps, I remember in the beginning, I remember Proloco to go was kind of a big player from the, from the outset. Uh, Correct. I remember when I talked in episode five, I think it was with uh, John Halloran of uh, Lamp. I remember him saying that he couldn't come up, come out with Lamp uh, until the second version of the iPad because the processor was too slow on the first one. Correct. Which yeah. which makes a lot of sense. And actually, you know, the funny thing is, I I I've been getting greedier and greedier uh, <laughs> as far as my my wish list for for iPads when I do use it for AC. Now I'm like, I just want the fastest processor because. I can even look back at, and I know these things kind of slow up as, as they age, but I look back even at like, you know, iPad 3 or 4, and I'm like, it's just too slow. The refresh rate is like, it's not there. I want to hit a key. I want the kid to get to the to the next page without having to to wait even a, a nanosecond. So, uh, right, yeah. right. <laughs> um, so you know, anyway, I, oh, go ahead. I used to think that, I used to think that way. And I, I didn't want the kids to get frustrated or, or anxious or anything like that. And I, I always wanted it to be quick. I came across um, one kid had an iPad 2. Mm -hmm. And, oh, my God, it was slow. And another child wanted to use it. And I was very nervous about that. But in that whole process, and this is way early on, I realized that, oh, my gosh, these kids have patience. They yeah. can wait. And I, and I came up with this whole you got to wait thing. And oh my gosh, <laughs> there's a problem. How do we fix it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I myself learned to just chill a minute. It was a, it was a, a really great process. And I think, um, I, I learned a lot because we are used to really fast. If your email doesn't get there, Oh my God, I'm going to, you know, miss this appointment or do this. And we, yeah. and we kind of project that onto the kids. Yeah. But they're patient and they have the ability to wait. They have the ability to just sit there. And sometimes now even I, 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 um, I make trouble for them. I make the iPad mess up or I go to somewhere different or I close it down. And mm -hmm. um, it's, it's all um, a, a teaching moment, we call it. Yeah, I guess I so. <laughs> I guess so. So um, yeah. when, when did, at what point did you become interested in creating your own app then? Oh, well, it was, uh, it was a really cool process because I was researching all the apps for the book. Yeah. And I work with just amazing kids on the spectrum from all the way from, you know, very uh, nonverbal, um, young, old, all just the whole spectrum I work with. And I just I love them all. And so I would take these apps in every day and I would sit with them and try them on everybody because, you know, I'm, I'm researching for the book. And I found that. They love pictures of themselves. Of course, we all knew that. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they can make, then they also love um, the actions, the swiping, the poking, the touching. Um, and so I was thinking, gosh, you know, most of my kids, and I don't know what anyone else's experience are, but I have a really hard time getting them interested in the apps where it's just grid style and the sound comes out of who knows where. My kids already have auditory 
processing localization challenges. Mm-hmm. So when the sound comes out, they don't know where it's coming from. They don't even really sometimes not even looking at the keyboard. They don't know that they've generated it. And mm-hmm. um, so I thought, what can I do to get them to actually look at the iPad while they're touching it? So I, I thought, let's try the face. So I Jimmy rigged up this two iPads and I had a face on one and I forget what app was on the other one. And sure enough, they were paying attention. I'm like, oh, my God, what if this face can move and talk? So I researched that, and I actually found a company that made talking faces. Um, And then I approached them and said, hey, could you, you know, I'm making this app for kids with autism. I don't have any money. (laughs) Yeah. But can we put it together and, you know, see what happens? And because um, this company, Motion Portrait, um, wanted to do something good for the community, they did it. I think I was very, very lucky that they did do it. Oh, nice. And Yeah. And then we've had iteration after iteration after iteration. So I was reading also that you Autism Speaks was involved in this, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Autism Speaks. Um, we got a grant after we made the app. We, mm-hmm. we wanted to, um, because we did it, we didn't have any money. We couldn't ask a lot of the people making it. The buttons that were on the app were not editable. Editable? <laughs> editable. Yeah, I think that's a word. <laughs> so we couldn't change them. And so um, that was part of the grant. It's like, you know, this is really super important for kids with autism to be able to edit the buttons, put their own things on, take pictures and, and be able to put those on the buttons in the app. And they agreed. And they're like, okay, so, um, you know, they funded that part of it. Okay. So that was just, you know, one of the things. And then we have um, a National Science Foundation grant. Mm-hmm. That one was a little bit better, a little bit, not better. I shouldn't say that. It wasn't better. It was just a little bit bigger for us to go do research because none of the apps let the kids express um, or display emotions. We thought, well, now what? We got these talking faces. What? How about putting emotions on them? Uh huh. So, like you, I, you know. So, for those of you who haven't seen the app yet, you can actually have the kids. There's uh, was it four different basic emotions, like uh, saying something that's sort of like angrily or happily, and you know, there's Correct. there's a there's a subtle difference in the tone as well as the facial features of the of the of the user of the speaker. Right, right. Um, And so we research what is the best way to have um, computer-generated communication display um, emotions. That's kind of tricky. And it was, surely it was, they have to see it and they have to hear it at the same time. We all kind of knew that, but we did the research, found that out, and then we were able to implement it. It's um, the facial expressions look great. I'm super happy with those. Text-to-speech is not caught up yet. Uh-huh. There's people out there working on emotion, emotional text-to-speech, mm-hmm. but it hasn't quite caught up yet. You can record information with emotions in it, but to have it come out in your text-to-speech is a little bit trickier. So um, oh, sure. that's, still, that's still in the improvement stage. Everything is kind of like evolving. And every time there's new technology, we like grab onto it and stick it in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And it's, it's really cool. It's like, it's, it's a living kind of an organism right now and it just keeps growing and getting bigger and better. So we're super happy with that. So you, you first re- released this when? What was the first version? Of this came out in, I believe beginning of 14, end of 13. That sounds about right. I, I remember hearing about this um, in my school when my our AT person one day approached me with an iPad and said, hey, check out this new app called Inner Voice. And uh, I really got a kick out of this. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, this is, this is awesome. I can take a picture of a kid and he can watch himself speak. And so I've had, right. you know, the... the um, the the reactions that you get are just are priceless. Aren't they priceless? <laughs> I mean, I love it, and you know, I have to say, in general, I do, I do love any apps that I can use. That you know, you hit the nail on the head as far as like kids love watching themselves in any apps, and so I I love apps where I can put um, you know they can dress themselves up in hats, mustaches, face paint, um, you know, apps where they can watch themselves dance, like. Uh, Oh, right. What's the one I'm thinking of that I use? Oh, the jib jab. The jib jab, but they, what's the uh, the kid version one that they do? Uh, Storybots. 
Oh, Storybots is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't logged on in a while actually because I had it. I switched iPads, but um, yeah, Storybots is awesome. They they love seeing themselves. There's actually, and we're recording this in October. There's one is a really good one for just a little quick little Halloween song. Um, the ones the the books one. I mean, I can't recommend Storybots enough. But the there's like a whole literacy section. You can put their pictures in in books and uh, right, right, yeah. yeah so. Absolute favorites too. Yeah, so I I think that uh, that that feature alone is just is uh, is worth the price of admission. Um, I when I first so when an AT person showed me the app, my first thought was it was sort of like a, a nice little novelty uh, for kids to see themselves as communicators. But Correct. this is an AAC app, and Correct. I was wondering what when you designed it, did you have what was the feature of having their faces. Uh, Sort of first and and you know, front and center in your mind, or uh, what was what were your initial thoughts? What did you what did you intend to do as far as uh, vocabulary representation? What what was uh, what was the initial well, the, thrust? Yeah, the the face was front and center. We wanted to get um, video self modeling. We wanted to like activate some mirror neurons. We wanted to draw their attention. We wanted them to be engaged with their communication app. Mm-hmm. Um, the language part of it, the buttons, we try, we not try, we put core vocabulary on there um, and some basic things. Uh, we're going to switch that over to real pictures in um, the next couple months. And again, everything's evolving in our next iteration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause real pictures are actually, you know, for especially for kids with autism, they're the best. Yeah. Um, you know, they do have the ability to go and take pictures. I've used, and probably you have too, I've used so many language systems. Um, mm-hmm. I have not found one that actually works really, really well with kids with autism because they don't have language structure in their head yet. You have to put it there. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I was thinking because, uh, so as I've sort of used inner voice in this, I've seen this as, a, you know, the latest version. Um, mm-hmm. my, my thought was that really, you have to, in the end, really customize uh, for the for the user. Really, just Correct. think about. It. I mean, so you know, whereas one might uh, do really well with a pure core system and maybe have uh, some navigation to other to fringe to other pages. You know, other people might have uh, you know my hybrid system. Maybe you have uh, you know what I guess. What's nice is that you can totally customize the number of uh, uh, I don't know if you want to call it cells per page, but you can, you can really just build this from the ground up based on what your students' needs are. Exactly. And that's kind of what, that was more the goal is to provide, a, there's a basic vocabulary and there's a core vocabulary, and then there's an empty vocabulary where you can put anything you want. Right. So you can use parts and pieces, but, you know, being a person who's there every single day, I always started out with a fresh page or maybe one or two from another page. Um, but the ultimate goal, Jeff, and this is what I found with most of my kids. And I got this from studying people like Ido Kadar and Carly Fleischman and Nikoi Higoshima, Mm -hmm. uh, those nonverbal teens and adults who are very successful. Mm -hmm. What are they doing? Why are they successful? Why are they writing books and no one else is? What are they using and how they get there? Yes. Tell me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I got all their books. I studied them. I got every video on them. I was like fascinated because that's those are the kids I work with. Yeah, and you know, what I noticed them doing. They're all typing, are using letter boards. Yeah, so that super important in inner voice was to be able to get from the buttons to the typewriter with just a touch, and that that was to me like okay, this is it. We're gonna get to the typewriter. So all of my students. I'm trying to drive them. They start with the buttons because it's, you know, they're representative. It's an apple. You can see an apple. You want an apple. It's there. Yeah. But I really, as fast as I can, I move them into text-to-speech and and word prediction, and it works. They're all learning it. All my kids, they're not using the buttons because all of these people um, that I told, Ido Kodar and Carly Fleischman, have said the buttons are cumbersome. You can't talk with the buttons. So I tried it. I tried having a conversation. You can't. <laughs> it's really difficult. It's really hard. It's really cumbersome. Um, but I, let's so, go into that for a second. What, sure. Because what, what exactly is cumbersome? What is it they're experiencing from a moment to moment 
on a moment to moment basis. What where is exactly the breakdown? Is it is it the the symbol representation? Is it because it's just more that that's right. where I'm still I'm still confused on that. Right, right. You can type your thoughts. You can have a thought and then just type it out. Yeah. Um, you can pick any word you want, even if it's not on your computer com- on your device. Yeah. So if you're using your device, you can only say those words that are already there. And if you don't know where the word is, you're searching for it. Yeah. And by that time, you've lost what you want to say. Right. Um, well, I guess you know I'm thinking of more at a more elemental level. So I have a couple of students right now uh, who are both using very widely known commercial uh, AAC apps, uh, iPad. And the thing that I struggle with both of them is that I have this sense that they obviously, like many of our students, understand more than they can uh, of course, than yes. communicate. But the right. thing that, that just really gets me is I, I try to, you know, I go back and forth. I do sometimes ac- more academic uh, interventions with them. Sometimes I just do a play-based. And right. what, yeah. what drives me crazy is both of them, their, their motor control is so uh, poor. So so challenging that they'll often and I've I've gone back and tried to change the grid size, the number of icons, but like let's say we're even working on and you know they might be better at some of the fringe words. I'm thinking one who's better in fringe than and core and that that's fine. But you know trying to use things like uh, you know masking vocabulary builder on, on lamp and you, you try everything and it's like okay we, right. we're going to get some success when we're masking all but one word and then you take it out and you just you can't uh, bridge that gap. So whether you're working on, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't even forget about fringe versus core, just that motor planning to get to that. So, right. the, so the question, so I guess the question is, what, if, if, if the motor planning is so difficult in that regard, why would it be, uh, I'm just playing devil's advocate, why would it be easier sure, sure. for them to go right to uh, a text-to-speech kind of situation? Um. Well, I found that number one, their motor planning does the skills hone in. They 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 initially have some trouble with it, uh-huh. but they do hone it in. Um, a lot of my kids, like you, they drag their fingers. Um, they have a hard time. If they want something, if you have something that's motivating enough, they will hone those skills and become very good at it. Um, okay. I can't. I can't think of a, a, a child that's on the spectrum that has not really honed their skills. Um, of course, if there's some motor component, an apraxia or a, a cerebral palsy, yeah. they all hone it in. If not, I, um, you can use a, a stylist. But if you're holding up a Cheeto mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they have to hit, um, I want Cheeto, so they have to go to the food folder, that's three hits. Mm-hmm. Um now you open up the keyboard and they do CH and um, Cheeto comes up in word prediction. That's three hits too. But you also taught them how to spell and you've taught them um, how to. Um, so I usually hold, I start with something that's, and, and I, and I don't like doing this and I don't recommend it. Yeah. But if it's one motivator that they love and it's a Cheeto, I will start with a Cheeto. <laughs> I'll you got to do what works. Cheeto very quickly. <laughs> But I'll do what works to get the job done, and especially if it means bringing them to the keyboard. So yeah. I'll hold up a bag of Cheetos, and I'll show them exactly how it's spelled and, you know, show them where the C is, and they hit the C, and and they will do it for the Cheeto. Or I'll do the, the C-H-E-E-T, and all they have to do is the O. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And they get the Cheeto. But now here's the cool thing that I wasn't expecting. They – have typed the word, they see the word, and when they see the word being said, they, oh, oh my God, it's like a, a a light gets turned on. They start to realize that the word written are the same words that come out of your mouth. Uh-huh. Now, that to us, we just assume that they already know that. But, mm-hmm. again, I've studied all those kids who are nonverbal, and they said they don't naturally make that connection. They think they're two different things. So if they see the word Cheeto written and then you hand them a Cheeto, they may not associate that Cheeto with the word that comes out of your mouth, the physical Cheeto or the, the word written. Yeah. So you can connect all those things together. Oh, my gosh. Light bulbs start going off. And then it's like you've taught that or you, you've shined the light down a road and then they want to go there. You know, um, you, that's you know, it's an excellent point. When you said that, 
you know, we, we assume that they would naturally know if they're communicators, that they're saying something. I, I think that's a fascinating point. The one thing that's been uh, absolutely consuming me lately about autism in general, I think I've I said this on the podcast before, that every so often I stop myself and I say, what is autism? Because, right. And I, I say that because we all assume that there's these sort of, you know, very cut and dry behaviors, but we don't know what it's like to be that person. We don't know what it's be. And I, I think failure right now, you know, I, I think of autism research still in its infancy. And right. I really think that right now, at least what I'm slowly realizing is that it's a failure of modeling on our part that we can't understand what it is that they're experiencing. And we have these underlying assumptions that, oh, they naturally, they know themselves as communicators. Well, we, we don't know. Right. Right. That's the whole, that's, that was, that was one of my revelations that happened as, as another number one, as I was reading all these books and kind of put, there's common threads that kind of go through all these books is that us as adults, and I even labeled it, we adultify them. We just assume that they, they have all these connections that they haven't made yet. Yeah. And we need to make it for them. And then once they get the connection, they're off and running. They, they want to learn and they want to know and they, they want to communicate. Um, it's just that we're like three steps ahead trying to teach this really hard stuff that they don't have the foundation for yet. It's breaking it down. Yeah. I, I wanted to go down this road a little bit further because <laughs> I've kind of, kind of obsessed with the whole... Um, People are going to get sick of me for talking about the whole RPM and FC thing. Uh, the folks who do learn to communicate through typing, whether it's through a letter board, through text-to-speech, what have you. You know, one of the things that the, the term that often comes up is presumed competence. And I, I think I've come to think that that means something different to different people. Uh, depending on who's using the term and who and who and who's uh, you know communicating that. Now you don't have to answer this if you don't feel comfortable. And we can always cut this. Um, <laughs> this is going on the cutting room floor if this gets to be too hot of a topic or too taboo. But first, I'd like to ask you: What does presumed competence mean to you? Not to the original, uh, you know, author. Uh, I forgot what her name was. Now it's escaping my head. Um, what does it mean to you? And uh, based on your definition, do you naturally presume competence with every one of your uh, students' clients, regardless of age, ability? Um, well, presume competence, I, you know, it's just, it's, it's another one of those terms um, where we, we go in, we look at a student, and we just are going to assume that they are capable of learning. Mm -hmm. And they're capable of learning whatever we're going to teach them, just like any other student. <clears throat> and that's our starting point. Um, I, I, you know, I don't, the, the, the term presumed competence, I have not studied that a lot. I've heard it. And I know that that's what a lot of people say as they go in and look at students. Um, yeah. I mean, cause I'll tell you. That's in my head. I, every time, and especially with autism, every time I go into a student with autism, I don't care if they're on the rug playing with dust I, in my head, I'm looking at that student like I can go down there and talk to him and inside that probably whirling storm of autism, there is a child who can learn to be literate, can learn to um, self-monitor, self-regulate. We need to show him how. No one showed him how yet. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that, actually. And so I, I think where I'm coming from is that I, I sort of look at every every kid um I, I think what the critics of that term are subtly uh putting out there is that that we're naturally assuming that every kid is there there's a hidden genius in there and <laughs> no, I, I think that most of us are saying no that's not what we're saying i think what we're saying is that i mean from the outset i think every every child can learn um i think that's what we can all agree on um, I don't think we're saying that every child is necessarily a hidden genius or there's a, a latent, you know, uh, ability to tap there, but that everybody can learn and everyone can be, le can be, can learn to improve their communication skills from where they are today. I know it's a pretty vague statement, but that's kind of, that's kind of where I come from because you, it's very easy for a newbie to come into the field and to look at our most quote unquote severe cases and immediately just dismiss them. 
especially if you've had very little exposure to autism in graduate school and you see a, a kid like you just mentioned sitting sort of in their own world that they they are uh they are the storm themselves you know uh right, you know right. and uh to, to see that person is like oh there's no way he's taking in anything to make that assumption right. and right. you and that's again going back to this idea of a failure of modeling we don't know we we really don't know what's going on if we all if all you looked at were just the the outward behaviors, I, I think we would just be doing everybody a disservice. Right, right. I get every classroom I walk into, there's either one or two of those little kids who have profound autism and are sitting somewhere rocking on the floor. And, you know, I, I go up to them and, and the teacher, the aide says, oh, they don't know anything. They can't do that. And sure enough, they can. They start doing things and they're like, oh, my God. I didn't know he could do that. And, and, and it's not so much I'm presuming confidence. It's when I walk in that door, that child looks at me. He sizes me up, you know, and yeah. I see him do that. And then I see him watch the teacher. And then as soon as that teacher turns her back, he's over on her desk stealing her coffee. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they manipulate their environment the best way they know how. That's confidence to me. You know, when I see a kid like that, I just see a kid who has all these sensory challenges where he's hearing too much noise. He's smelling too much odors. You know, he's seeing too many things all at once and he's just trying to organize. He's unable to pattern things or organize them into a way that he are consistent. Mm -hmm. And so I just show him how to be consistent. And I know that sounds awful simple, but it is awful simple once you know what to do Yeah. Um, and, and have the right tools. And like I said, in the past, I never even looked twice at AAC equipment, but with the iPad, that is the tool because you can put anything on there. I can sit with a kid and I can get his interest. And I don't know how many times I walked out of a class and the teacher says, Oh my God, I've never seen him attend to anything for more than two seconds. And he was sitting with me. <laughs> two hours. And I'm like, well, because I, I treated, number one, I treated him like a kid, mm-hmm. not like an animal. I didn't bark commands at him. I didn't sit there and put flashcards in front of him. And, you know, I just treated him like a kid. So yeah, you're right. There is competence in, in, in those kinds of kids. There's not, I mean, I, I can also walk in a class and, and there's people, you know, that just aren't going to have that competence. You, they, they can learn, but there's mm-hmm. not that person in there being bombarded. There's there's a person in there who's struggling real hard, but mm-hmm. not being bombarded by the sensory. So um, yeah, yeah. I think as as a seasoned speech therapist, we can we do pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I always I, it always reminds me as you were saying that it reminds me of uh, I think it was a Stanley Greenspan uh, floor time kind of quote oh, where yeah. um, you know I, I remember reading in his uh, in his famous book. Uh, you know, a lot of parents will say, you know, follow your child's lead. Well, he doesn't do anything. And his response is, your child's always doing something. It's just a matter right. of you being able to see that. Um, right, right, right. So, you know, there's there's kind of a purpose uh, to to everything. We just have to sort of, you know, watch it. Like I had, I have a new student who, um, you know, it, it was it's very obvious that he has very strong sensory needs. And I saw this kid, and the first thing I thought to myself is he wanted he wants to be upside down. <laughs> and uh, I could see just the way he's sort of crawling on his teacher, uh, oh. the way he latches onto her, um, the way he's trying to contort his body. It's just it's it's like watching water find its own level. You know, you you know, kind of intuitive, intuitively what it is that he's trying to accomplish. Um, oh, wow. And, you know, it's interesting because here we haven't been able to find in terms of like an interest inventory, what is he interested in? Well, food, yeah. Uh, besides that, you know, in terms of uh, visual stimulation, you know, spinning objects, lighted, eh, not so much, a little bit. But uh, this kid, I think really, I look at him and I see a kid who really is lost in terms of his body and space and time. And yes, uh, yes. just just needs to be moved and, and contorted in different positions. Right. That's what I see in this kid. But, you know, now I'm getting to OT and I'm not an OT. So I don't, I only <laughs> play on, one. So, yeah, I only play one on the internet. <laughs> we're, we're closet OT. <laughs> we're closet OT. I'm a closet OT, I guess, uh, for better or worse. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you've had some different iterations of, of Inner Voice since it's been released in 2012. Right. Right. What, what have been the biggest changes? 
Um, well, number one, um, being able to edit the buttons, that, that was a huge change. Um, yeah. I was, I was um, excited to get the app made, but hugely disappointed when, it came, when we couldn't edit the buttons and there was basically nothing I could do about it because, again, um, you know, it was a favor. Um, gosh, getting those emotions was huge for me. That was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. We can do emotions. We can, um, you know, display and learn what faces look like, and we can talk about them. Um, getting the pointing feature, I don't know if you've noticed, but if you point around the face, the eyes look at your finger. I haven't noticed that. Oh, yeah. Well, touch touch around the area around the face, and the eyes will follow your finger. Okay. So oh, wait, wait. Of, yeah, no, I have seen that. Okay. Okay, when, yeah. when you said that, I thought – yeah, go ahead. That. They can't follow a point. So that's that's the starting point right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Finger. Now you follow – you know, so we're teaching how to um, triangulate attention mm-hmm. and point at things. Oh, my gosh. That's huge when you can point at something and the child follows your point. Yeah. That's really good. People don't think about those little tiny things that yeah. the child needs to be attending to the same thing you're attending or there really is no communication. Mm-hmm. Um, the newest one we're going to get and it's, it's coming up is a share feature. So the child can literally create a short video and then share it to his mom, his grandma, whoever he wants to. He can send a message. Mm-hmm. Um, or an email, or if it's a, an older child, they can put it on Facebook, but they can share their messages of them talking with the written message underneath. That is coming out in a couple of weeks, and I cannot wait for that share feature. Um, but the other one is, my other huge, huge ones I was really proud of was, and I don't know if you've tried it, was the remote prompting. Okay, I haven't seen that. Oh, okay, well, it's, it's, um, it's a companion app. So, oh yeah, I just see the companion app. Okay, so tell me about that. Yeah, it's really cool. So you can put the remote prompting, let's say on your iPhone, uh huh, and the student will have the iPad with their face on it, or whoever's face, SpongeBob, it doesn't matter. Whoever gets their attention, yeah. And you could be completely at the other side of the room, and you can be sending messages to your student's iPad. <laughs> and the little and whoever what the character is will be talking those messages, and they'll get the written. Um, message also. So, so if it's my student, okay, so let's say my student's name is Bob and it's his avatar. And yeah. I, so I'm using my phone on the other side of the room saying, um, hi, Bob, it'll speak those words out of his mouth, his avatar. Is Correct. that right? Okay. Correct. And the whole idea is for, uh, that one was to like interrupt echolalia where, where just what you're talking about, where you go up and you say, hi, Bob. And then Bob says, hi, Bob. Okay, so you don't want him to say that. You want him to say, hi, Jeff. Uh, so what you do is you go up to him and you say, hi, Bob, and you send him a message that says, hi, Jeff. When he sees his own face say, hi, Jeff, it's prompting him to look at you and say, hi, Jeff. Ah, so it's, you got that video model aspect. So, yeah, okay. You got, yeah. Yeah, and, okay. Yeah, and you can create whole um, conversations that way. You can go on further and say, how was your day? Or, you know, whatever you want to say. And I've created complete conversations. Of course, they have to be scripted. They're just scripted conversations. And it works very well. I've also used it for social stories. So you can have the child telling himself, it's time to sit down. I need to calm down. You know, I need to keep my hands quiet. Oh, my gosh, that works perfectly. If they see themselves, tell themselves something. Do you have examples of this on your website? We have a couple examples. The some of my best examples I cannot post because of um, you know I just can't you yeah. know those rules, those school rules and things. Yeah, yeah. But I have my um, <laughs> I have my son recreating a couple examples, um, and we're working to have a video day at the clinic so that we can get some of our kids are actual kids showing this because there's nothing like actual kids really doing this. But I'm going to tell you a funny story. I had remote prompting up for um, a little girl with Down syndrome mm-hmm. who didn't want to eat her, I think it was broccoli, but she loved Little Pony. So I put on Little Pony and I put the iPad next to her and then I, I stood behind her and I had Little Pony tell her to eat her broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> 
And then I, I actually had a little conversation with her and Little Pony as they were eating their broccoli. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, you know, in terms of the teachers, they, of course, they're using visual schedules, you know, having them you know, check your schedule. Because oh, yeah. we, we obviously we have students who are all across the map. You know, some will are, are very, uh, will need five prompts before they'll finally check their schedule for the next activity. <laughs> so I'm thinking, like, I wonder if that would speed things up if you just sort of had an iPad out there this, with their avatar. And, yeah, uh, that's exactly that's exactly what it's made for. It's just it's another way to prompt the student and take you, the the teacher, the the therapist, out of the equation mm-hmm. because that's such a heavy prompt. Is when you're going in there, the verbal prompt, and you keep telling them and telling them. You just take yourself out of the equation, and someone else tells them. Someone else gives them the prompt, and um, we've had a lot of fun with it. That's one of my. Um, uh, best features that I really, really love. I just, I, I can't, I can't use that one enough. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. That sounds, uh, yeah. sounds very interesting. So yeah. your hope is for many of these kids is to actually start them on this, on this app and then quickly transition mm-hmm. to a text to speech uh, path. Yeah. If it's, if it's feasible. And I, I mean, obviously this, we're not talking uh, numbers or research or publications, but no. you found this uh, uh, approach to be pretty successful, would you say? Absolutely. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know, but a lot of these kids um, can already do a certain extent. They're already so visual. They're hooked into words, the alphabet, numbers. I don't know how many kids you've had, but I have so many kids that are hooked into the alphabet. Oh, yeah. A lot of number of them are hypolexic. No, no doubt about it. And that's it. Yeah. They're they're hyperlexic. They're highly visual. We got to use that. Yeah. I mean that's 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 a power. That's a superpower that they have. And you know we need to take that and put content to it. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone says, "Oh, he reads. He reads real good. He has no idea what he's read." Okay, well, start taking that ability mm-hmm. and start putting content to it. But people just drop it right there. Yeah. I think that it's cognition, but it's not cognition because our kids don't put the written word with the spoken word, and we need to do that for them. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's been a huge my huge soapbox is to get the get get all our kids literate. Yeah. Literacy is is definitely where it's at. Though they probably will never write real well handwriting. Yeah. But, but a lot of what, them can keyboard. Yeah, so that's what keyboarding is for. That's what Texas speech is for. Um, right. Now I'm just and how the kids are doing it. They're not any different than any other kid, and I think that is probably the coolest thing that has ever happened. Yeah, is is they're not different. There's no special equipment needed. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And with with all the apps, the technology out there today, there's really there's really no more excuse to not do these sort of uh, activities and, and engage them in literacy. Um, right. I wanted to ask you, so uh, you're in a school? Yeah, I have a, a school district, a clinic, a regional center, and a hospital. <laughs> yeah, because I know you're, you're in multiple settings, yeah. Correct, yeah. So um, let's say you, okay, you go to the school, you have a new kid. Let's say they're uh, five, we'll use the term now, for we'll loosely. Um, maybe had some uh, exposure to low tech, but you know, lack of it, of implementation, Lack of data collection and this kid sort of like just spinning his wheels and you were to sort of start with, uh, you know, using his avatar, using inner voice. Do mm-hmm. you, wh- what is the logical starting point with you? Do you start with sort of, uh, do you go go with that interest inventory, do a lot of sensory play? Is it more play-based? Uh, do you, is it depend on the age? Like if you had the same situation with a second grader, would you go right into academics if possible? Um, no, no, no. It's all interest based, and 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 they gotta like you. They gotta know you. You gotta have. You gotta find out what they like. Yeah. Then you gotta join. You gotta join their world. And you, I can't go in and just like slap something in front of them and have them start doing it. Oh my god, I'll lose the kid. Mm-hmm. I just gotta go figure out who they are. Go into their world. Figure out what they like, and then I gotta be like. Like if they like trains, I got to be the coolest train conductor in the world and they got to like me. And then, and only then I can start pulling them into my world. Um, And so it's all interest-based, child-driven, even if they are a second, third, fourth grader. Well, what do they like? Do they like dinosaurs? I got the coolest dinosaur. Come here, look. (laughs) I got big ones. I got small ones. I got dinosaurs who can talk, you know. But, you know, it all goes back to Temple Grandin. Uh, yeah, you know, she yeah, always yeah. said, you know, if if trains are their thing, you can 
teach academics around trains. Everything becomes about the trains. You know, right. Shapes, then, letters, right. numbers, uh, quantity, you know, whatever academic, just it's around trains now. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you slowly back it off, you know, and, yeah. and then you talk about, well, who's driving the train and where they go? You know, it, it doesn't have to be dry, boring, and God forbid, flashcards. <laughs> yeah. Drill and kill. <laughs> You'll lose them. You'll lose them. That's, those are the kids who... Uh, and, and and I haven't proven this, but a lot of observation, the kids who can name like stacks and stacks and stacks of flashcards. Yeah. And then they go on vacation and they come back and they don't remember the flashcards. Yeah. I think those are the kids that regress because you never really taught them the concept or the word. You simply labeled a hundred flashcards. Uh-huh. And yeah. taken, you know, they get, um, you know, eight out of ten correct. Yay. They know what this flashcard means. Um but there's no tie into yeah. There's no bigger picture there. Correct. They don't yeah. know how to use it. They don't know when to use it. They don't know how to put it in a sentence appropriately. Mm-hmm. So you you just taught them to label the flashcard essentially. And and you know when I first got in the business, that's what we were doing. We were labeling flashcards like crazy. Yeah. And then I looked I mean, around. I said, but these kids still can't talk. Mm-hmm. They still can't have a conversation. Something's wrong. Something, you know, you always think something's wrong. How do I fix it? How do I fix it? <laughs> and um, yeah, so we put all the flashcards away, all the chips and Skittles. They all went away too. <laughs> okay, so you're using uh, Intervoice now. What is correct? What does your prompting strategy look like? Do you use a lot of aided language stimulation, where you're sort of using their talker and typing things <laughs> as you're communicating with them? Are you using? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's okay. huge. So you're still doing that sort of thing. And then I know you mentioned, I know this is something, uh, uh, an approach that I've used before with a couple of kids that I've uh, attempted to do text to speech with is mm-hmm. where um, I'll say, oh, you look like you want, um, you know, the bubbles. And then, I, you know, for instance, I have a kid who's uh, hyperlexic, um, very young. And, you know, of course, I'll start typing in B-U-B-B and then he just types in the rest. Right, he right, goes right. There. So I know you mentioned that as an example before. And then, of course, the the goal being is you want to fade back and have him start to spell more of that. Eventually, right. yeah. So um, that so the aid language stimulation, trying to transition to uh, text to speech. What about in terms of? So this is the other one. Do you tend to offer uh, a great a deal of uh, wait time, or do you sort of rush in if you feel like you're losing them quickly? I offer a probably a pretty good deal of, of time prompts. Most of my kids are prompt dependent mm-hmm. and um, they're waiting for me to tell them exactly what to do. So I, I give them some time. I, I try really hard to back off all my prompts. I give them different kinds of prompts. I got this little laser pointer that I use for the keyboard or to um, prompt them where to, um, what buttons to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I really try to back off because that, you know, when the kids get prompt dependent, they will, they can outweigh you too. <laughs> <laughs> they can. <laughs> yes, they can. I think they, you, you know, I think, you know, you've kind of, uh, you're, you're going to be a little lost or you're going to need to jump in a little sooner than you'd want it when they sort of get up from the chair, wherever area yeah, you're and, yeah, that, that and they just start walking away, you know? Yeah, no, you don't, don't let them get that far. You watch their faces, watch their eyes, you know. Um, <laughs> exactly. And if they do start to give up, then, then you know, point them to the break button. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Make it effortless. Make it easy for them. Make it easy. Never. I mean, I see a lot of people that are always, like, testing them and assuming they know something. Like, they'll they'll put out yes, no um, cards, and they'll say, do you want to go outside? Yes or no? And they shove the cards in front of their face. Yeah. So. You know, the, the student's probably thinking, yes, I do. They don't know they need to reach out and touch one of the cards. You know, they're, they're, they're testing them. Make it easy. If you know he wants to go outside, just give him the yes card. And yeah. make it easy for him to say yes. Therefore, now he's getting the concept of yes. Mm-hmm. We're not always testing. We're not always making it hard. You just make it easy to do the right thing. Make mm-hmm. it easy to succeed. And they do succeed. And then they learn their the, the concepts and... Um, you know, and then they're happy too. They're not pulling your hair, kicking you, or are spitting. They, you know, they calm down and, and focus. And then there are other 
able to take in other sensory activities too. So it's really, it's, it's really cool when you stop the testing and stop the, um, the over prompting and just let them succeed. Let them be right. And let me have it. Yeah. Give them the, who cares? You're still teaching them if you've given them the answers. Exactly. Just give them the joy of learning and they're, they'll meet you at their own pace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, Just thinking Jeff, as we're talking uh, couple steps back about typing. I'm going to tell you exactly how I learned that my kids can learn how to type sometimes before they can learn how to talk. Yeah. Is, um, I had this one little boy who loved, loved, loved Judge Judy. <laughs> oh, my God. So in order to get into his world, I had to bring up Judge Judy pictures or videos or whatever. And I thought, and I saw this other little boy, he's typing in YouTube videos where he's considered, you know, profoundly cognitively delayed. So he's getting to his YouTube videos. So I thought, what if I just taught this boy how to type in Judge Judy? You know, <laughs> what would happen? Could he do it? This was like my first experiment. So I taught him how to, and oh my God, now he's getting on Judge Judy and he's searching Judge Judy like crazy. And now he's going to Judge Joe Brown. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've done that before. So I don't know if you've had this experience, but that kind of thing has has come to bite me back in the ass. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I'm talking about. So you've had, you've, you know, you've been, you're a seasoned SLP. You've dealt with this too. I know you have where you do that. You, you help the child actually uh, engage with their, what Barry Prezant would call their enthusiasms. And mm-hmm. then the teacher or some other one, some other person close to them may not be the teacher necessarily becomes perturbed because yeah. that's all they want to do. That's all they want to talk about. Right, and right, right. this is that philosophical, I, you know, again, going back to uh, Temple Grandin, if that's, their, if that's their passion, you can still teach around that. You can take, you, you, if you're creative enough and you're, and you're motivated and driven, you can take Judge Judy and teach anything you want to about anything. Yeah. When he learned to type Judge Judy... Then he had a list of, let's just say, core words he had to type. And then Judge Judy was waiting for him at the bottom of the list. Mm -hmm. And then he had a list of core phrases he had to type. And then Judge Judy was at the bottom of the list of core phrases. So, you know, you can take that really strong interest and just build a lot of stuff on it. But you're right. You have to be creative and you have to think that Judge Judy is just not a reinforcer. It is a reinforcer, but not just... To learn again the flashcards, just just create a whole world around her. Yeah, and um, yeah, you're right though. Could, <laughs> people don't understand what we're doing sometimes. <laughs> you know, it is. It, I think also because you know you do have those more, I suppose, unusual interests, and so it, it becomes even harder when it's something like Judge Judy versus um, Dora the Explorer. You know, Correct. so, yes. and, and I've had those situations too, where, you know, I remember one kid, uh, there's a local uh, food program called Chicago's Best. And uh, so he was obsessed with that. And that, that was an interest. And uh, so I, I would often hum the, uh, the guitar riff opening to the, you know, just to get his attention. But, uh, you know, anyway, so like, okay, so someone might think to themselves, well, that's way out there. I mean, that's not even like within the realm of what would be a typical interest. And then, of course, there's the other uh, end of that spectrum where you'll have a third grader who's still uh, really into Elmo. And that will upset uh, staff, parents, teachers, because it's not age appropriate. And then I, I, I always come back to the heart wants what it wants. Oh, I had another question and I forgot what it was. Uh, lost my train of thought. Oh, I wanted to end with, uh, you know, since you are so into technology and apps, what are some of your favorite apps of all time of recent? What are you, what are you picking up on these days? What can you toss Ooh. our way? You know, I... Um... I love, love, love some of the first ones out the gate. There's this little app, and I, this I can get any student in the world on this app, and it's called First Words. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's just a drag and drop the letters. Oh man, I me- yeah, I remember that one. That was uh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, C A R, car, and then the car spins out. Yeah, I, I I do remember that one. Yes. Right. They love, love, love. I still use it. It is one of my first apps I downloaded, and it's so relevant even, like, right now. Um, You can even put it um, to phonics. So it says, ah, 
er, and you know, mm-hmm. you're teaching your kid phonics, and he doesn't even know what they're using it. As, these kids are playing that app as reinforcers. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's it's one it's one of my go to apps. I love the talkers. I get so much mileage out of the talkers. Mm-hmm. Have you used Word Wizard? It's another popular uh, phonics space. So what I like, there's a newer feature on that where you can uh, embed images you know, attached to certain Ooh. letters so or, or certain words. So if I, you know, for instance, it might be motivating, I can put a picture of the students in there so if they can type uh, or drag the letters to spell their name, they'll see a picture of themselves or maybe some favorite objects or something like that. Oh, uh, yes. I have one similar, little speller. Okay. You yeah. know that one? I don't know that one. Oh, it's very similar. You, they, you can take pictures, put them in there, and then they can drag and drop the letters. Um, okay, nice. To, yeah, that one's excellent. You know, one of my favorites is, um, again, another one that's been around from the beginning. It's WordTube. Oh, WordTube. I love WordTube, I have to say. I love putting videos in rather than static images. Oh, don't um, get me started on WordTube. Okay, so you probably have the same... <laughs> Uh, okay, so you're a techie person. Have you updated to iOS 11? I have. Okay, so I don't know if you've seen the... the okay, so I have two... I love WordTube. There's nothing else like it. And still right. a go-to, but there's two glaring <laughs> deficiencies that I wish... Oh, God, I wish someone would, would fix these. One is that you can't... You can create something from scratch, but there's no Dropbox. There's no... You can't save a oh. file and, and, and transfer yeah. it to another iPad. That that's sad. So if your iPad is crashed or you didn't back it up, you lost everything, and it takes you a lot of work it. to get those things going. It does. And then does. the other problem with it, uh, it, it used to be a lot of it used to be buggy. They they patched it. Um, I want to say like maybe four or five months ago. Uh, much more stable now. But now with iOS 11, if you've updated, you anytime you try, at least with my iPad, this could be only my my iPad, but any new videos, new photos you try to attach to pictures won't work. Mm -hmm. It won't work. It's just black. Oh, so, but I mean, I'm such a fan of WordTube that I have a section of my website called cool tools for SLPs and WordTube, I think was the first, maybe the first or the second recommendation on there because I, I use that thing so much with my students and they loved it. Yeah. Do you know the guy is he, um, Canadian? Uh, John Halloran. The guy, yeah. the guy who created Lamp Words for Life, uh, he, he talked a little bit about that in uh, episode five. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, how he created it. So I've kind of appealed. <laughs> I, he's probably annoyed with me, but a couple times I've appealed with him too. You know, I, I know that um, I think one of the issues, you know, why it hasn't been uh, updated as frequently or as, uh, um, as often with all these other features we'd like to see is that I, I think, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think the sales have been slower than he expected. Um, yeah. And so he couldn't really put right. those features unless it was... The same thing happened with uh, an app that I created. I'm sort of waiting to sort of recoup some costs before I can put the features that absolutely. I've always wanted in there. So It's, it's absolutely um, the, the money that you spend to do this, uh, you know, this work that you're so passionate about is just, it's incredible. Yeah, and it is. They're like, they want free apps, Jeff. Everyone wants free apps. And I'm like, I, I know. Their neck when they say they want a free app. I'm like, do you even <laughs> know? <laughs> I know, you know, people, it, it's so funny because, you know, I, you know, here's the weird thing. I think like, I have never even signed up for a Teachers Pay Teachers. But for some reason, there's this mental shift where like, I know a lot of SLPs are very comfortable paying for materials on Teachers Pay Teachers. But for some reason, with this, with apps, with technologies, there's sort of like this mindset that it should just be free. I, I, I'm not sure why it is that way, but like I was looking, I was thinking about this today in, in my own app, and I'm thinking to myself, man, if you were to just print out all the slides, all the, the color photographs that I made for this app, and it was sold through one of the big you know companies like a Super Duper or something like that. And you just sold the photos alone. Like, you know, back in the old days, you would spend like $60 for a set of like 50 cards or something like that. And like, we live in a world now where you can buy these for like 10% for what they would have cost in a, in a physical format. Uh, so yeah, I'm on my soapbox here, but that's... And they never go away. They, you have them forever. Um, people won't shell out the money. It's like, okay, you know, I'm... 
I get it. I understand. Yeah, my iPad's filled. I got a, like five hundred dollars, six hundred, whatever. It it's yeah. It doesn't matter because I can walk into any situation. I don't need the the suitcase anymore. Yeah. And yeah. I'm prepared. And that's worth everything to me. It is <laughs> like the freedom that you have and knowing that you know you can have your entire therapy or most of it at least. Um, now that iPads are faster processors, more storage, iCloud. Uh, iCloud storage, and I actually purchased this new system that allows me to have my own personal cloud. Now mm-hmm. I can start uploading all the paper materials, just scan them and import them. And they're all sitting on the cloud. So I can now use my iPad for virtually everything. Once I start uploading all the uh, printed materials, now I truly have everything uh, where I need to be. And I could just uh, print right from there and send off copies to families uh, for home practice. So it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's excellent. And yeah, because your kids can also send off the work they've done that day, you know, using like edu creations or um, show me or something, mm-hmm. um, you know, they can create something wonderful and, and then just send it home and, and you look like a hero. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, definitely. Um, yeah. That's, that's every time I do a presentation, I always like pay for your apps. It's okay. The cost is, is, so much outweighs anything. Just make sure it's a good one. Yeah. Some money down. We work really, really hard to do that. And um, yeah. Yeah. That's just, that's my soapbox too. I, I just. Yeah. <laughs> and remember, <laughs> and remember They're folks, buddies. you know, we're not necessarily getting rich off of these things. Apple no, takes, Apple I takes mean, 30% off of everything, uh, everything, every sale. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, we're not, we're not, we are, are absolutely not getting rich at all. There's no, it's, it's a labor of love. It's something you do cause you really, really love it. And yeah. I don't think you could get rich cause everything you get, you dump back into it to make exactly. And yeah. improve. I mean, ultimately so. we're just scratching our own itch here. You know, you, you, <laughs> you have an idea, you want to see it come to fruition and if it does well, that's great. I wanted to ask you one more question before we sign off. Sure. What's with the pig? I love the pig. <laughs> it's another one. It's before the iPad. It's my low tech. It's just one of those things that gets the kids' attention, that gets them to come to me. It gets prolonged attention, prolonged focus. We're all looking at the same thing. Um, we're touching the same thing. We're talking about the same thing. And quite literally, Jeff, they will talk to the pig before they talk to me. They'll, <laughs> they'll ask it, is he hungry? Do you want something to eat? Um, you know, he's sturdy. He can take a blow. He, they, they've never seen one before. So there's no preconceived, uh, is he going to bark? Is he going to bite? Is he going to scratch? They don't know what he's going to do. There's thousands of questions. And um, I bring him, you know, maybe – once a month, once every two months, and they remember, they mark it on the count. So it's like a whole, the pig is curriculum. <laughs> yeah. So you have just it's the backup. Just you, have a, you have a pet pig. Um, I do. How old is your pig? Oh, he's about seven now. Seven. And what's his name? So his name is Buttercup. And I was just going to say, as you know, is a diadokinetic word. So as they're, <laughs> um, he's um, a mini pot belly. No, they it's make a, excellent pets. That's a nice angle to have for therapy. I'm sure you you get a lot of language and a lot of awesome interactions that way. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say one more thing about him that I I rehearse with my um, Asperger's kids. All the questions that people ask, like how much does he weigh? What does he eat? Where do you keep him? And, you know, these are kids who who typically don't have friends and and in particular, especially never talk to girls. And then I, I send these kids out with the pig through the school and all of a sudden, they're surrounded by other kids, um, girls, and they're they're being shot all these questions that they already know the answers to. And they make friends. They really do make friends. And the pig is the vessel to ah. bring all this attention to the kids with Asperger's who are usually ignored and left alone. So um, that's worked quite well for that too. Yeah, that, that's wonderful. And and yeah. your and your pig enjoys being around other people, groups of people. <laughs> You never really know what a pig enjoys, Jeff. He's just kind mm-hmm. of there. Yeah. He does wag his tail when he's happy. It's it's really funny, but he just kind of stands there. 
And well, they he say, moved. yeah, they say pigs are more intelligent than dogs. They're really smart. Yeah. He's, he, I taught him and I have a pug, a, a trick, same trick, same moment. The pig learned it the first time the pug took five times. So yeah, Interesting. he's a pretty smart guy. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to stop. <laughs> so, it's always a good place to stop. <laughs> <laughs> talking about the pig. <laughs> you know, maybe I'll include talking a, a I'll have to include a picture of the pig on the uh, on the show page. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd be nice. He's, he's my boy. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Lois, for being on the show. And uh, we'll make sure to put okay. up all the appropriate links uh, as I edit and put this thing together. Uh, any parting words? Keep up the hard work. We got, we got a, it sounds like you're, um, on the same page regarding, especially kids with autism and, you know, what's inside there. And, you know, we really need to keep pushing that there really are just kids inside there. Yeah. And, um, who are really, they're, they're, they're having a bad time themselves. They're not giving us a bad time. They really are struggling. So keep that in mind as you're going out and working with your kids on the spectrum. Very good. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, take care. All right, Lois, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was a pleasure to speak with you. And I was just really impressed with um, with Lois's knowledge and, and her perspective, her take on things. You know, it's interesting that in the episode, Lois brought up this idea that she's going to try and get those kids who she feels that she could to get them typing, get them on this typing on this path um, using text-to-speech rather than using uh, symbol-supported uh, vocabulary. And I've become very interested in this notion that maybe there are a number of these kids who we aren't attempting this enough with. Um, and please, I'm not talking about facilitated communication for those of you with alarm bells going off. Um, I'm really just talking about our kids those kids who might be hyperlexic, those kids, and we're just taking that natural ability and seeing if we can leverage it. So um, that's all I'll say on that. As usual, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please send them my way, jeff at conversationsandspeech.com. Of course, I'm always interested in hearing show topic suggestions or particular guest suggestions, so please send those my way. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. We'll be right back. 